Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in and who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, Jamie Flam. Hi, and welcome to Gatekeeper. It's a podcast, and you're tuned into it right now. Thanks for taking the time to download, subscribe, or otherwise find a way to hear this sound in your ears right now. The sound of my voice, the voice of Jamie Flam. As I am coming down the hill from the Griffith Park Observatory area, also known as Mountains, where I just went on a hike. I was up there hiking with some friends, including Andrew, who is the producer of this podcast, who, in an effort to minimize the amount of time to required to record a, a typical intro to the show later this afternoon, thought it would be great to break out his phone and put it in my face and have me record the intro right here. Seemingly, he doesn't want me to come into his house where he lives later today because he has secrets to hide. Andrew, what are you hiding from the world? Uh, in in all truth, I wanted Jamie to come over, but he was the one who was like, ah, I have too many emails to send. I have too much stuff to do. Can we just record right now? There's some truth to that as well. In any case, welcome back. The second episode of season two, which, by the way... <laughs> I'm just going to go straight? Am I taking you home first? Yeah. Okay. Well, well I, I don't know. We don't have to. Well, if you live right here, it makes sense. Okay. Um, so a little uh, peek behind the curtains <laughs> of uh, who's getting dropped off first. Anyway, Griffith Park was sensational. It was beautiful views, uh, cityscapes, and sometimes it's important to have that bird's eye view when you're looking at your career, um, for example. Take a step back to look at the bigger picture because sometimes you get so mired in little details and that can drag you down that seems pretty inspirational does that kind of hit the inspirational quota for (laughs) ding 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 perfect you heard it here first folks get a bird's eye view and also if you're into taxidermy I think it would be cool to actually take a bird's eye and uh, scope it out I guess like arthroscopic surgery is that Let's do it scope out the eye so you're actually looking through the bird's eye so you got some inspiration and some science tips on this episode we got a great episode speaking of that I interviewed the producer of Morning Becomes Eclectic Rachel Reynolds if you don't know Morning Becomes Eclectic has been a flagship show for KCRW as the title suggests it has an eclectic mix of music straight. Ah! It's a great place to discover new music and for emerging music artists, a great platform to be discovered and heard by people. So Rachel is, of course, a gatekeeper in the music community and an amazing curator of up-and-coming artists as well as some of the biggest names who make it a point of dropping by KCRW when they're in LA to perform. Rachel is also a big comedy fan, so there's a lot of crossover between music and comedy that we talk about in this episode. So tune in. You already are tuned in. Keep tuning in and enjoy 
this episode of Gatekeeper. You want to turn right here. Okay. Gatekeeper. Welcome to Gatekeeper. I'm excited to be here in Santa Monica, California. This is one of our first or second uh, uh, on-location recordings, so this is pretty exciting for our listeners. Sitting across from me right now is Rachel Reynolds, producer of Morning Becomes Eclectic, and you also produce two other shows. Tell us everything about yourself, and then I'm just going to listen for the next hour. Oh, wow. Well, we're 19 blocks from the beach, which is Mm. worth mentioning. We're in a basement underneath the cafeteria of Santa Monica College. I really want to set the scene for the listeners here. Um, We are here at KCRW. And we are in one of the few rooms available to talk because we only have a couple studios and they're always in use. So we just had to like literally sneak down the hallway and find a space, which is hysterical. But I say all this to mention that, you know, we're a public radio station. So anyone who works here wears a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. It's not just me. Everyone here does a little bit of everything just to keep the train moving. So, yes, I produce Morning Becomes Eclectic. I also produce a show called The Guest DJ Project Mm -hmm. uh, that I created about eight or nine years ago. And I am the pseudo producer for a show called Metropolis. It's hosted by Jason Bentley, who also hosts Morning Becomes Eclectic. It's a dance music show on Saturday nights. So I help him in coordinating that as well. So and then. Many, many other assorted tasks. Well, and we've been here for 30 minutes and you've been running around and it, there's a fun energy here. And so t- talk about today. You said it was a typical day where you're doing a million things. Yes, a typical day. So, uh, well, I woke up this morning at okay. 6.45 and quickly got dressed to load in a band at 7.30 a.m. So you can imagine how happy the eight members of the Hot 8 Brass Band were having flown in from New Orleans last night to arrive here at 7.30. So I was greeted by some not-so-happy faces but let me tell you something. By the time they were live at 11.15, they were phenomenal. I'm actually, I hate to admit this, still a little sweaty from dancing during their set. I'm not someone who's going to just hold back and try to be professional when, like, an insanely good dance band is playing in my studio. Yeah. And I got to, like, start the party. I invited them here. Like, this is my party. I'm throwing this party. This is amazing. And it's on the radio. And everyone around the world can, like, listen to it and watch it. That's the amazing thing about my job. So 7.30 in the morning, the band comes. We spend a few hours getting them ready for air. During that time, I'm also working with the host uh, to make sure the show that's on the air from 9 a.m. to 11 before the band starts is, you know, on point, answering questions. So I'm running back and forth between studios there. And then I also have a taping after this in about an hour with a guest DJ. Her name is Ellen Von Unworth. She's a really incredible fashion photographer. So all my shows are all happening at once and I'm coordinating everything. So yes, I do a lot of, I'm famous for running down the hallway. It's kind of like a joke that I'm the first person to get here in the morning. I'm the last person to leave and I'm always running. And seemingly (laughs) you're always happy and excited. I mean, you you love what you do. I, you know, the amazing part is that I, I work at KCRW. It's the most incredible radio station in the world. And I say that as someone who was an insanely huge fan before. I never in a million years would have thought I'd get to work here. Are you kidding? That I get to produce Morning Becomes Eclectic? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Like, if you told me that when I moved to L.A. 17 years ago, I would have said, you're out of your mind. Like, I didn't even try to get into the music business. I got into it completely by mistake. Well, to t- um, t- talk about that. For anyone who might not know what Morning Becomes Eclectic is... Tell us what it is and then explain how 17 years ago you got to L.A. and how what your dreams were then and how you got here. 
Sure. Um, Morning Becomes Eclectic is the signature music show of KCRW. Um, we've always had a global following and MBE, as we like to call it, is definitely our most well-known show. It's had four hosts over the years. The current host is Jason Bentley. And it's it's a mix of like everything we love and then a lot of the music that influenced current music. We have no playlists. We walk in every day and we don't necessarily know what's going to go on the air. We'll get sent a show in the middle, sent a song in the middle of the show and we'll play it that day. I mean, it's edgy. It's as edgy as it can get uh, in that regard. We play all genres of music. So it's really the heartbeat of KCRW's music department. We have like an incredible cast of like 22 DJs here. But Morning Becomes Eclectic is really what we're known for, yeah. I think, throughout the world. And it also we host live performances. So we have bands probably two to three times a week on average. So part of my job is booking those bands and producing those performances and making sure the host has lots of great new music. Those are just a few of the things I do. But when I discovered KCRW, I was pretty new to LA. I'd moved here from Austin, Texas after college. And it was a rainy, rainy, crazy rainy night. And I'd lived here probably less than a year. And a friend of mine, I got in his car and I was like, what is this? He's like, you don't know KCRW? I'm like, give me a break. I've only been here a few months. And he's like, it's the best. And I started listening and I discovered MBE by mistake. I was listening to the nighttime stuff. And then I got in my car in the morning. I was like, well, what's this? And so it was really a life-changing thing for me. The show became, I feel like, well, the station became my best friend. Yeah. You know, in your early time, when you move to LA and you're out here trying to make it, you need all you can get to like feel connected mm -hmm. to the city. And it was the first thing that I encountered in LA that made me feel like, I've got this thing. This thing's amazing. I'm going to work the rest out. I know that sounds insane, but that's how big of a fan I was. I was a paying subscriber long well, before I worked here. <laughs> when you came to LA, what was your intention then? What did you study in college? Well, I, I have a journalism degree, a broadcast journalism degree. So I actually use my degree, which yeah. I think happens very you. rarely. Yeah. Um, my intention, I, I wasn't sure. I had actually had a good bit of success in Austin, but the city was really small and I felt like I needed to move to grow. And my best friend growing up in Miami, Florida, lived out here and he's like, come out to LA, just do it. And I did, literally it was like that. I dropped everything. I moved here. I knew no one but him. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I left everything in my life behind and just started over. And the first three months were really, really hard. And then before I knew it, I had a freelance writing gig. I was waitressing. And I was doing production work at another radio station called KFWB. So they eventually hired me full time. I was a news gal for a few years, an award-winning journalist. In yeah. Fact. Yeah. What believe? award did you win? Um, it was for, I was the web editor, news web editor. So I did all the news for their website and we had had some crazy stuff go down the year that I won it. And the, it was like an AP award for like best news website. And, Congratulations. You know, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember. To be honest, it was that long ago. It was like 16 years ago. Um, but I left the news business because it was depressing and I didn't think I'm someone who like wants to make a difference. Yeah. It sounds kind of like cheesy to say it out loud. No, but that's what the show's all about. Yeah. And in news, I was realizing they're just regurgitating press releases. They're not challenging anyone. That's why I wanted to be. I wanted to be that like hard hitting journalist who's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to change things. And when I realized I couldn't really do that, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'd always loved music. It was I didn't realize I loved it an abnormal amount that like most people kind of like stop going to shows at a certain age, you know. Um, but when I worked at KFWB, Capitol Records was right next door. 
And I would always just kind of stare up at it longingly. And I think in my gut, I knew I'd rather be there, but I didn't know what to do to get there. Mm -hmm. um, what ended up happening is I didn't was unemployed for three months or so and ended up taking a job with a publicist in L.A. who worked mostly with music clients. It was $10 an hour doing data entry. Mm -hmm. That job got me to Case Your W. Like if I'm being completely honest, because I ended up working my way up, becoming a publicist for bands and all sorts of other people. And when I left that job, PR will burn you out very fast. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do again. <laughs> so I've had a few phases. And when people would ask me, I'd be like, you know, I don't care what the job is. I just want to do something that I believe in at a place that I like what they're trying to do. I don't care where I work or what I do there, really. I just have to like believe in it, like KCRW. Like the end of that sentence was always like KCRW. But KCRW famously never has any job openings or mm -hmm. didn't back then. We, it was a much smaller staff than it is now. We've actually grown a lot. And lo and behold, three weeks into me being unemployed, um, there was a job opening. It was in the membership department as an assistant. I took a 50% pay cut from what I had been making. Five bucks an hour. And I begged them. Well, no, I'd worked my way up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd worked my way up to a full publicist, full-time position uh, over the three and four years I did PR. Um, but I begged them to give me the job. They were like, you're too overqualified for this job. I was like, I know, and you're stupid to not give it to me. And I was like, I plan on doing PR freelance work on the side. Like, I won't make it work. I want to be here. Did you say and stupid? I, I, is that a, some good advice you'd give anyone? No, no. Tell a potential uh, but employer But I did. Stupid. I did. So the funny thing is, the, the woman who's now the general manager of KCRW is Jennifer Farrow. And she did the final interview with me. And she's like, she just looked at me. And she's like, you're, you're overqualified for this position. And I was just like, I know. I was like, but I want it. Like, I will do a good job and you should give it to me. I think I said something along those lines, yeah. you know? And who doesn't want someone who's excited and passionate about your company or organization to be part of it? Exactly. So they hired me. That's Yay. great. And then, here's a crazy story. Three months later, the person who had been the publicist for the music department here left the station. And I was like, well... You know, in a past life, <laughs> I used to be a publicist and I would really love that job. And it took them another six months, but they gave they promoted me. So, I mean, I got really lucky, <laughs> That's, but it was definitely a really good job for me. So I've had that job through most of, I was the music publicity director through most of my time, the decade I've been at KCRW. Um, although I did start the guest DJ project. So I was producing a show. Mm -hmm. um, and then... In 2015, they uh, decided to get a new producer for Morning Becomes Eclectic, and they hired me for that. So I've definitely worked my way up here, which is amazing. Totally. Well, and you, you um, ensconced yourself in the world that you wanted to be in. Yeah, And that's, that's definitely true. a recurring theme for the show. And, and like you said, and, publicity. Oh, sorry. I'm just totally your job in publicity yeah. was um, you wouldn't be here without that. Totally. And so that was the next step. And part of this podcast is about, you know, inspiring people like, to take those next steps because we've all been there. I think that's another recurring theme of this podcast is every artist and, and that's made it has gone through several periods of what am I doing with my life? What should I do next? And just, so I think the lesson again is to just put yourself closer to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, this is a weird, I don't know how else to say this, but don't be afraid to take a job that's below where you're at 
to get closer to it. Mm -hmm. I think that's something people are really resistant to do yeah. to start start again when you're starting. But when you're starting over, you're starting over. You know, you have to work your way up too. I've worked my way up so many times now. I mean, in three different jobs, I've started at the bottom and worked my way up. So. Mm -hmm. You have to not be afraid of that. I mean, the thing about me is, in the end, I think people see me as having like a very sexy job, but I'm a worker bee. The reason I got here is because I work really, really, really hard. And I work a lot of hours and I live and breathe this job. And that's that's what you have to do. I mean, more than anything, I think that's something you especially understand. Mm, very Jimmy. much. <laughs> um, so you produce now three shows. So Morning Becomes Eclectic and The Guest DJ Project. And what was the third one? Well... I'm a pseudo producer. Pseudo I just help out. I help out. It's for Metropolis, which That's is right, a Metropolis. dance music show. But um, as there is no other producer, I typically handle production type duties for that show. So I can't take full credit. Uh, Jason actually hosts the show and he does most of the hard work and I just help out on the side. But so what does a, a producer do? For, oh my gosh, it's radio? so different for each of those roles. Um, for Morning Becomes Eclectic, the way I look at it is I'm responsible to Jason because he's the person who's putting himself out there. I'm responsible to our audience, and I'm responsible to, of course, management, the program director, the general manager of the station here at KCRW, of just you know making sure this show is everything it can be, as good as it can be. And sometimes it's you know tracking down new music is a, a big part of it. Sometimes just giving Jason basic information at the start of the show so he has it, so he knows you know where he's going. Shows that are coming up this week, albums that are coming up this week, what bands we have coming through and when we do have so as far as the bands go I'm looking out for ideas I'm running them by him we very much I mean nothing happens without Jason he's the host and he is the man behind the show and I'm just here to make his dreams a reality is the way I look at it and support him in every way that he could possibly need if he's happy and comfortable I'm doing my job that's the best thing a producer can do um, and so I will suggest artists coming through and we will kind of discuss back and forth the merits of having them in or not, and then I will book them. And that is a long process. Talk so, about book. I mean, booking, of course, booking is, booking is tricky because it's all about dates. It's mm -hmm. all about when they can come. And we only have a few bands a week because we just don't have the resources, like the video team. You saw how many people were here when you arrived. We had just finished a session with the Hot 8, Eight Brass Band. And what people don't realize is, imagine like you go to a concert, you see a band. You have no idea what it took to get them up on that stage. For us, we're doing that in the morning. They I have know. to bring in every single instrument. We have to sound check and make them sound really, really good first thing in the morning. So we've got a recording engineer. We've also got a video team that's four or five people. Um, we have a photographer. We have all these people are involved. And I'm kind of responsible for communicating to all of them. I'm also responsible for communicating everything to our communications team who promotes, you know, our social media and stuff like that. So my my job is so many fold. It's hard for me to describe without going off, you know, like yeah. into down an alleyway. But, you know, the big picture is get, making sure Jason has everything he needs. Um, getting great bands to come through and, and helping them give the best performance they can do. I'm not going to named the band but last week we had an artist that like literally broke down in tears mm -hmm. because they'd been touring and she was just exhausted and in that moment my role became I've got to make you stay in here and sound check it became I'm going to take you to another room I'm going to get you a cup of tea you're going to sit down you're going to take a nap for 20 minutes so I'm mm -hmm. going to come back and get you and that's what I did and so like it's like part mother part camp counselor part producer like it's a little bit of everything you know yeah 
Well, Tom, I mean, from the booking perspective, how long has MBE been on there? MBE's been on the air for over 30 years, almost 40. I think we're celebrating the 40th anniversary this year, which is incredible. And it's changed so much over that time. I mean, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but we've had four music directors, and each of them have had very different tastes. Our first music director was Tom Schnabel. He brought world music to the airwaves in Los Angeles. It was game-changing. So when some of these artists from around the world that had literally never been stepped foot in America, came to LA, they sold out giant shows because, and people would record his show and send it all around the world. And then Chris Doritas was our second music director. He broke Beck. He had Fiona Apple on very early. He did some amazing things. Then Nick Harcourt was here Mm -hmm. right when like the UK rock scene was really like in the early 2000s, um, was just going crazy. And that was his specialty. And then Jason became the music director in 2008 and dance music is really his area of expertise just as dance music became the biggest music on the planet. So we've always had these hosts that really tapped into what was going on musically on a much bigger scale than like, I just do this three hour radio show in LA. And we, we look at it as a global thing and we know that the people listening, however, however many people doesn't matter to us, but we know very important people listen to the show. Well, you guys are tastemakers. Well, yeah, music supervisors, directors. We get emails and texts and tweets of, you know, bands. We have this band named Tennis that came through, and we played them a bunch. We love them. Paul Tillette heard them and booked them on Coachella. Mm -hmm. Like that probably, there's a good chance that happened in part because of us. And that's like the best feeling in the world. I can't believe that I get to feel that feeling. I don't even think I deserve it, but it's awesome. No, I'm getting you know? goosebumps thinking about that. that. That is the most rewarding part, I think. Oh, it's the best. It's the being best. Being a booker. And so talk about, um, I mean, the, the fact that the Hottie Brass Band was here at 7 a.m. or 6.45. And as I was arriving, I saw them carting away, I think, probably tubas. Yes. and Like in huge, you know, uh, tuba cases. Yes. <laughs> um, the idea of you flying from New Orleans and, and wake up that early is crazy, yeah. but but not when it, when the the audience is what you, it is. Like you just said, like you guys are on such another level of it's worth getting. They it get up. it. They yeah. get it. And like as I was saying goodbye to them, one of the guys who literally had barely said a word to me all morning, I was like, I'm thank you, you know, thanks again. Like I'm always very appreciative. I know how hard it is. Trust me, I do. Um, and he was just like. He's like, totally. He's like, it was our fault. We were sleepy. I'm sorry. I was like, I think you hated me early this morning because I'm pretty chipper, like right (laughs) from the get go. And he's like, no, no, no. It was all us. He's like, we love you. We love you. And he gave me a giant hug and a kiss. And again, that's like the best feeling you could ask for that. We put on a great performance. People loved it and that the band feels taken care of. And so, yeah, my job is taking care of people. I think that's mostly the job of a producer is to be organized, mm-hmm. to think ahead, and to take care of people. And that like requires many things under each of those categories. But I'd say that's probably what I do for all the shows. I, I mean, in theory, that should be the, everyone's job to take care of people. Um, I'm just like uh, Whatever you waxing do. poetic. Yeah, but, uh, I love it. Um, no, I think it's just an important reminder. Like that's we're all here to, to help each other. And again, it makes it infinitely easier when, when you're surrounded with people that you want to work with and you have a shared mission. And um, so talk about like actually vetting bands and getting cold submissions. Obviously I know the comedy world and how do you break in and the, the, the challenges there, but in this day and age, how, how would a musician get on your radar? That's a very good, difficult question. Yeah. Uh, I get sent a tremendous amount of music. At this point in time, I barely open physical packages. I pretty much rely totally on my digital mail. Uh, 
I have, I've started uh, in my years of being the MBE producer, which has only been like a year and a half, almost two, I have had to like set up, figure out the way to do it and have kind of a prioritization of bands I know that will likely be a good fit for our airwaves and then trying to sprinkle in, giving some brand new bands a chance. I mean, sometimes what I'll do is when I'm just powering through emails, if someone sent me a song, I'll just randomly, it's sometimes it could be extremely random Mm -hmm. what I listen to. Uh, And sometimes it's extremely targeted that like, I know this band, they do great stuff. I think we want to see that a band has a lot going on for themselves because otherwise our airplay won't make that much of a difference for them. Mm. I think they think it will, but that's not necessarily true. If they don't have kind of a label touring sort of situation, there's only so much getting some airplay on MBE can do for them. Um, So I think Jason's really careful about promoting bands that are at the right place in their career, thinking that there's kind of like a natural growth that happens for a band. And by the time they get signed, even by the smallest of labels or get like a really good booking on Coachella, that they're ready for the, you know, to see that sort of movement, Mm -hmm. then we can actually maybe do something for them. And that's better to maybe wait until a band has naturally progressed to that point where other people have also been like, yeah, this, these guys have something going on, you know? And not that that's, it's, essential there's a band there's a local band called the lagoons that had a song that came out last year and i'm like spacing on the name right now but i heard it for the first time i heard on eclectic 24 our online only music channel i listen to our own djs all the time and i loved it and i immediately sent chris doritas who curates it an email and i was like you got to get me the song and i sent to jason i was like i love this like i don't know anything about them i don't care and he played it and so it does happen that way, mm-hmm. that that can be real, that like visceral response of like, this song makes me happy yeah. and it just sounds good. It makes me feel good. But what I would say is I listen, I try to listen to three to five hours a week of new music, which is hard yeah. because I'm at a desk for 10 hours a day and that's my homework. Um, I try to do it when I'm in a good mental place because it's unfair to bands for me to try to force it. So sometimes I'm not feeling it. I don't do it. Because it's worse for me to listen and not give them my open best, you know, mental state mm-hmm. to like process the music. Um, so it, timing's important. Some bands are night bands. Some bands are morning bands. So like I try to sometimes listen to things at different times to see. But I really don't have much time to give something a chance. So what I would say is the most important thing is to send the one song that's the best representation of who you are. Um, I much prefer getting one song than an album. An album feels almost like work. Yeah. In some, I hate to say it, it's horrible, but if I don't know the artist, if I'm not already committed to them, it's a lot of music to go through for me to have to choose what where that moment is um, that might be the thing that survives on our airwaves. Because we, we do kind of, we do play songs with some consistency, even though we don't have playlists. We do kind of try to let our audiences get to know people. Yeah. So we don't play a, that I mean, we play a lot of new music, but when you really think about it, is 20 art, new artists a week a lot? Not really when you consider how much music I get. Mm-hmm. So I get through as much as I can, and I feel bad about it. I feel guilty about it all the time mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, because I used to be a publicist who promoted bands. I understand what it's like to be on the other side, but I'm also me, and I know that my sanity is important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, what I would say about music is that you know, everyone has access to a studio now that's completely changed in the last 10 years. So there's more music than ever, ever before. And most bands aren't bad. Most bands are 
pretty good. So the problem is the difference between good and excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's where where I'm trying. That's the pocket, you know, because there, most bands are good. Most music I get is good. It's just, is this something that is craveable? To me, a song that I would recommend to Jason is something that like, I want to listen to it three times in a row the first time I hear it. Or it's stuck in my head later when I go out and I'm at the grocery store, I'm singing the chorus, Mm -hmm. you know? That's the sort of stuff we need. And there's not as much of that. And you really have to sift through a lot. We always joke during the pledge drives, we're trying to raise money, like, we listen to lots of music so you don't have to. But it's true. It's totally true. It's so funny, the parallels are identical between comedy and music. And you're right. The pool of good comedy and good music is is massive. It really is that X factor. And the idea of undeniability in, in comedy, there's a famous Steve Martin quote about just being undeniable, um, where you're so good that you can't not be booked and get opportunities. Is that seemingly the same thing in music? And what for you is that undeniability? Like, is there a certain factor or just this is a damn good song? You know, it's different every time I would feel. And it's also based on my mood. You know, it's, it's, I remember where I was when I heard Vampire Weekend for the same, for the first time. And I actually, I gave their EP to Nick Harcourt. That was my first actual big success at the station of like, I was still very new here. I felt very nervous. Like, who am I to give Nick Harcourt any music? Mm But I did. I was like, you know, I really like these guys. I waited till I saw them live. I saw them at the Troubadour and I was just like, I really believe in him. And he played it. And we were one of the first radio stations to play it, definitely on the West Coast. And the band to this day knows that I was the one. And it's and Nick was very kind about giving me credit for it, too. And it was I just knew. And same with Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. I heard it on a Sunday and I emailed Jason the song. It was before I was a producer for the show. So I'd always been kind of sending music everyone's way. Um, and I was just like, I heard it once. And I was like, this is going to be massive. And a song like that, it's interesting. We were playing it six months before anyone else. And then we like put it to bed. You know, we're like, okay, you're off in another world now. Good luck to you. And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have more of a pop sensibility than a lot of our DJs here, which I think works well for MBE because they're a little bit more... Um, Left to center, which is amazing and that I love as well. But I think I have a pop heart on the inside. Um, but I love indie pop music is probably like my sweet spot. I'm also the rock girl. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of rock and roll. So, Well, so talk about it a minute. I mean, do you enjoy talking about the bands that you love more than any? I mean, it's like when someone asks me, like, who are your favorite comics? I, mean, I, mean, I can't uh, do it. Yeah. I can't do it. It's like I can't even answer who I like right now because the truth is this is, sounds like a horrible thing to say. <laughs> I don't listen to music for enjoyment the way I used to. Now that I have, now that I produce that Morning Becomes Eclectic, I do listen to it with a different ear. I listen to it, would Jason like this? Do I think our audience would like this? And the last person I think about is, do I like this? I mean, obviously I have to like it or I wouldn't recommend it, but I'm really, my critical ear has changed. And so when what I, my answer to that question would be when I need like a palate cleanser, as you call it, I'll listen to the stands probably, mm-hmm. or I'll listen to hip hop. <laughs> like I'll listen to something from my youth or something that can just take me away from all of it. Um, listen to some Motown. Sure. I mean, that's where I go when I'm like, okay, I need a moment to like remember 
what it is I love. And it's not that it's like hard. I mean, I sound like I'm complaining, which is not the case. It's great. But there is something about you listen to three hours of new music and you only find one song you like. It's a little disheartening sometimes. One song that you really want to like push forward into the world. You're just like, oh, man, you know, I, I wish I'd yeah. spent three hours listening to the Stones. <laughs> it's, it's again, like the, the parallels with comedy <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's an important thing for our young artists or any artist to remember, like when you're trying to get the attention of someone in a booking um, capacity that they are looking through different filters Yeah. and how important that is. Like you have to play, remember what the audience is um, when you're submitting stuff. Um, Cause like, yeah, I, at a certain point when you're, when I'm booking a comedy club and you're watching hundreds of standups a week, they all kind of blend together. Yeah. And you have to go, like you said, go back to like the stuff that made you passionate about comedy or music in the first place. And some things are growers. You know, sometimes I'm unsure and I will hear another DJ here play it. And I'm like, I should have known. And there was a song like that this this year that I heard it. I'm like, oh, I'm on the fence, I'm on the fence. And then I heard someone else play it. And I'm like, yes. And I sent it to Jason the next day. He started playing it. Mm -hmm. And it's like. You have to also, also learning to trust your gut and then questioning your gut and then trusting it again, because there's a lot of back and forth with that for me. Sometimes I'm like, after you listen to so much music in a row, sometimes I'm like, will I know if I hear something amazing? And then I'm like, yes, of course I will. And there was an artist recently that I listened to. I don't want to mention the name, but I was like, wow, he sounds a lot like Jeff Buckley, like maybe too much like mm -hmm. Jeff Buckley. Like it's right on that line of like, I really love the song, but man, he's like even phrasing things like him. So I sent it with that in mind. I was like, I don't know, but it's a pretty great song. And then we picked it up and we started playing it. So, you know, it's sometimes your gut just, you have to trust it. You have to believe. And it's also about moments. Like if we're playing too many singer-songwriters, we're probably not going to add another singer-songwriter into rotation because we want our show to be all Eclectic. across the board. Eclectic. <laughs> exactly. But that's true. Yeah. Timing is everything. Um, Laura Marling put out like a beautiful, beautiful record this year. Um, we've been spinning two of the singles from it. And there's another artist who sounds not similar to her, but in the same vein. And I kind of in my gut was like, ugh. I wish she put out this album a couple months later mm -hmm. because I have a feeling we're probably going to focus on this other one because then you're comparing directly like, well, which one do I like more? Right. Yeah. So working with the hosts of these shows and working with talent, do you have any maybe stories but or advice for uh, maybe there's some horror stories or like or, uh, our talent? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Musicians, I guess, versus comedians. Oh, the bands? Oh. Um, well, there's, you know, everyone's different. As far as working with a host as a producer, it's, you have to, you can't just like barrel your way through and do things your way. You have to be like, okay, what are this, these person's needs? Because they may not be the things I want to provide. I mean, what, is, what does he need to do a great job? And sometimes it's me doing nothing. It's me backing the F off and leaving him alone and letting him get in his own and just giving him silence and space, you know, and sometimes that's the best thing you can do. And sometimes it's being like, you know, for the bands, we do an interview for each band and I will spend two hours writing the interview notes. Sometimes he will use a lot of it. Sometimes he will use none of it. And I don't think twice about it. I would never change the way I prepare for those interviews because I want Jason to be able to get on the mic Say something crazy's happened and he's not had a minute to look at it, which would not be him. He's very prepared. He's an incredible host. Um, 
to be able to look at that notes, to be able to do a great interview because my job is to make sure everything flows. And so that's the sort of thing I think about. I do things, even when they're maybe not going to be utilized, I put just as much effort into them because it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. you know? And as far as the bands, I never know what I'm going to get. When they arrive in the morning, I have zero clues. Some of them I know, you know, they've been through here before. Or I know personally, but, but most of the time, I don't know what I'm going to get into. But what I've learned is one thing. And I always joke about this with our production team is that there's always one thing, no matter how nice the band is, no matter how easy it may seem, there's going to be one kink for every session. And if I learned, it's kind of like when you're packing, you know how you always forget that one thing Mm -hmm. and it could be something big. It could be something small, but you always forget one thing. It's kind and you have that like sinking feeling. It's, it's like that. It's always my pants. I hope you wear at least a skirt on the plane. (laughs) Always a skirt. (laughs) Um, but no, it is one of those weird things. And so with one band, it was that they came in, they're like, we can only play like four songs. They're the, and I was like, no, you have to play more songs than that. Like that, that was something that y'all knew. And blah, blah. Yeah. So it's like adjusting a set list with another band is they were missing a part on their borrowed drum kit. One little part that meant they couldn't use the snare. Mm. And so like, it's, they could be tiny things, but each session is an adventure and a roller coaster mm-hmm. from from the minute they load in until the minute we're on air. And I don't breathe until like noon. <laughs> and so you caught me in the like post, like I'm just taking a breath going, OK, that was great. That was a success. Wonderful. But, you know, each one is interesting. And then with personalities, just mm-hmm. like I said, I kind of try to assess do I need to push this person? Do I need to lean back and just let them be? And I'm constantly, it's so much about nuance. So much about nuance. Because you can't come in and be like, here's the schedule. We're going to follow this schedule to the T. This is what we're going to do. This is how this day is going to go. Because then it's not going to work out. You get tricky people in here. Especially because it's the morning. Yeah. It's not that they're horrible people. It's that it's early. And they don't like mornings. And they are honored and excited to play live but they may not be happy until the minute the on-air light is on. Sure. And they may not be able to give their full energy into that moment. And I totally respect that. Talk about for a minute, like you still like going to shows and seeing live music. You know what's so sad? No. I don't go to nearly as many shows as I used to because I wake up at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. So that's the problem with producing a morning show. Um, but I saw a band this week and it's just like, it can bring me back to life. It's so great. Um I do love going to shows. It's changed a little bit with everyone, their phones or people who talk. It drives me crazy. Oh, like when yeah. I go, I'm there to hear music and to experience an artist. And so it's it's been a little more frustrating in the cell phone age to, to go to shows. Mm-hmm. So that's why I invite the bands I love here to play for me personally, my own what private a nice, concert. Uh, perk. <laughs> I mean, really, am I not the luckiest person? And I, I feel like that. I really, really... I'm so grateful. I mean, I tell Jason all the time, I'm so grateful. He gave me the opportunity to produce the show. I'm grateful to our general manager here for believing in me from the very, very beginning, Jennifer Farrow. She's the one where I came to her with the idea for the guest DJ project. I was like, I have this idea. There's so many incredible people who come through LA and they don't necessarily fit on the programs we have here, either the news programs, the talk programs or the music programs, you know, and we should take advantage of it and we should talk to them about music because we're famous for our music programming. She's like, great. She's like, so who's going to produce it? I'm like, I don't know. Do whatever you want with that idea. She's like, you should do it. And that's how I learned how to become a producer because she gave me a chance because I had an idea 
And she's like, you should do it. And I was terrified. And I'm like, okay. And then I learned. I learned by working with a lot of people, asking a lot of questions, making a lot of mistakes. And then now, eight, nine years in, I'm like, this is amazing. Well, let's talk about the guest DJ project for a minute. Sure. So explain the concept and then... If you don't mind, talk about you know, the first year and some of those mistakes and how you just learn to produce something. Absolutely. So the idea is that we invite in cultural luminaries of all kinds, we get chefs and authors and photographers and actors and actresses to sit down with the KCRW DJ. There's kind of revolving hosts and talk about five songs that have changed their life. So it's purely about music. It's very personal but it's what they choose to share. It's kind of like looking inside someone's refrigerator or at their like bookcase, you know? It's just like a snapshot of who they are. And I think I've told you this in our in the past conversations, but the way we decided to edit the show was around the restrictions we had, mm-hmm. which is that clearing all the music right. would be insane. So we, since we're a news station, we use like a fair use amount of music, um, a small amount of music that's in the clear that they're not talking over in the podcast. The way it's edited is um, they go song by song. They talk about each one and then we hear it for just a little bit and then they talk about the next song. And the finished podcast is between... 10 and 15 minutes. And the idea is just a snack. It's just a snack to get into someone's brain. So if you're a fan of this person, it's exciting to hear them. People get excited talking about music like nothing else. No one, there was someone who was here the other day. I can't remember. Actually, I hear this a lot, but Ludo, Ludo Lefebvre, he's an incredible French chef. He's like, no one asked me about music. And someone else said it too, Alton Brown, I think. Um, there's so many people who will come through and just be like, no one asked me about this. This is so exciting what is for me. Alton Brown like? He was amazing. He's amazing. His is airing March 1st. Oh, and so there's no spoilers. No spoilers. Oh. It is one of the best, probably one of my favorites of all time. And he was so excited to do it. That's the best part is that you get actors and actresses in here as well. And they're like, no one asked me this. And I was like, it's amazing to me. I can't believe it, you know, that, wow, we're really doing something special. But I hear it all the time that this is something really different. So I think it's amazing. I want to get to the point where I can be a cultural luminary enough to be on that show. Okay. That's my goal. Sounds good. Also, another idea, <laughs> similar, um, socks. We all wear socks. Right. And uh, there's so many cool socks, but no one ever sees your socks. So my if you socks. ever, anyone's socks, what are you, what are you wearing? <laughs> ah, oh, yes. Very cool boots. You're supposed to describe So Rachel, them. yeah, yeah. So um, they're kind of a, how would we describe these? Um, they're like a, almost Navajo inspired. Geometric. Nav- Navajo inspired Navajo. geometric. But you took the time this morning to choose those socks, especially wearing boots. No one was going to see them. And yet here they are. And they match my dress. And I did that for me. Yeah. So you got to do little things for yourself that make you happy. Well, I always felt too with music, like sometimes when I was walk up to the improv with my headphones on, and you know, you, you walk down the street, I walk down the street thinking I'm so cool because I'm listening to the soul music or jazz or whatever it is. <clears throat> but no one gets to hear that. That's your own soundtrack. So a couple of occasions you walk up and be like, what are you listening to? Like, oh, here's the cool song I'm listening to. <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally get it. Like people, like we have our 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 own worlds that we live in and sometimes it's it's awesome to share that with people yeah absolutely so that's a great gift that you give it is so thank you i i really like i said i feel very very lucky and very appreciative i never want to come off as like oh this job's so hard but i do work very very long days i'm often here on weekends i work i mean it's it sounds really glamorous, but the reality is lots of hours at a desk in front of a computer, like most people. Yep. I mean, that's really what the job is 
to make everything happen and to flow. Um, I was mentioning to you before we started taping that I ran into Steven Tyler. So occasionally when our studios are busy, we'll record sessions at another studio called The Village. It's incredible. It's an old Masonic temple in West Los Angeles. And he was recording an album there. And I ran into him in the parking lot and we just started talking. And he brought me into his studio. He's like, can I play you my new songs? I'm like, no, Steven Tyler, I'm busy. I've got somewhere to go. No. So we went in there and his engineer like puts on the record and then everyone leaves and leaves us alone. So we listened to a couple songs. They were great. It was his country album. It came out at the end of last year. I mean, it's Steven Tyler. He's singing along with it as I'm listening to it. And I'm like, how is this my life? How is this my life? You know, but even better afterwards, we just started talking about how is this my life? And that he feels the same way. He's like, yeah, I can't believe I'm a singer for Aerosmith. And he's, I was like, I feel crazy. But there are moments I still haven't wrapped my head around the fact that I'm the producer for Morning Becomes Eclectic on KCRW. That's such a big deal to me. I haven't fully comprehended it myself. And so and he said the exact same thing. And he's like, that's what keeps us being good at our jobs is because once you like are okay with that and you accept that, then you take it for granted. He's like, you have to always be just grateful. And I, he, he said something really profound that I wish I could remember, but that was what we were talking about. Oh, gratitude is the attitude. That's what he said. That's gratitude it, is it. the attitude. And I felt like yeah, I always want to be that way. And I love that he's that way. He was a lovely man. We talked for like 45 minutes, just deep about just life and philosophy and music. And here's the funny part. I was like, do you know KCRW? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, recently I downloaded this app on my phone. The music's insane. I was like, take out your phone. It was KCRW. <laughs> he just didn't even realize it, which was kind of amazing. That That's was my favorite Incredible. Moment. So gratitude is the attitude. Absolutely. How do you, other? I mean, in this conversation, you've said it four or five times so authentically that you love and appreciate your job. Um, other than just saying it out loud, do you have other routines or daily ways of reminding yourself or even just like just your daily routine? Um, how do you keep this energy up? What do you do every day to, 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 to keep motivated and excited and, and energized? I try to shake the small stuff. I try to not get caught up in anything that's going to kind of drive, like let things go. I've realized that we've booked some insane, I've booked, I have had the great pleasure of booking some incredible artists on MBE since I've been here. George Clinton, Iggy Pop, Elton John. I mean, some like serious legends. Yeah. And I've realized, and this is for the guest DJ project too, that really no artist or band is too important for me to lose my love for the job. And I used to let it upset me more. Like when something was, I was trying to make something happen and it wasn't working out and I would just get really upset because I just, I'm the sort of person I'm aggressive. And I just like, I, if I can, I can make it happen. I can, I must be able to, but then sometimes you can't and you have to know when to let go. So I am learning. I think one of the most important lessons I've learned in my time producing a show is knowing when to let go and not getting upset by those things. I think I was shocked by the number of curveballs I was thrown when I first started this job, how many different types of things would come my way that were not fun that mm -hmm. I would have to deal with. <laughs> Just like the most random of things, you know, that I was like, oh, okay. I get this now, you know, things that are just like more difficult than you would imagine. And then now I can coast through those things because I've, I've already done it for a year. It's amazing how like a year and a half into a job, how you're like, okay, these things that were really, really hard for me in my first six months, 
are not hard for me anymore. They were just surprising mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. And I was trying to get my bearings. So it was like overwhelming to me. But they're not overwhelming when I have like a confident stance that I know how to do this job. But just like anyone, when I started as a producer of MBE, I was terrified. I felt like I was responsible for someone's baby, like something that was important to so many people. And I feel like responsible to everybody who listens to the show mm -hmm. that I want to make it the best it can be. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm someone who's kind of hard on myself just generally as a person. Um, so part of it has been letting go, even when I'm like, you know what? Everything's fine. This show's great. What is, is that taking a deep breath? Is that meditating? Like, is there something you actually do? Because I understand that pressure. I tell completely. myself that. Yeah. I literally am just like, you know what? Everything's good. Don't get caught up in this little small thing. Mm -hmm. It's really nothing in the scope of things. But I do exercise pretty much daily. And that's a big one. That's really important. Exercise? I know that sounds silly, but. No, I think it's critical. Um, I do yoga. Sure. I do some runs. I do some cardio bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like dance, dance on crack oh, I know. is what Cardio I like bar. to call it, dance on crack. But um, it's great because I can't do it and think about work or I'll fall down or hurt myself. So I do activities that literally require my full attention. So I can't think about work because you have to take a break. Mm -hmm. You have to. I do have a 24-7 job. I've been even checking my phone a little bit during this interview because we have a taping coming up right afterwards. But you have to take a break. And I also try to get eight hours sleep a night, which is very hard. But I got to tell you, there's nothing like a good night's sleep, Jamie. I don't know that. I know. I feel like your life moving forward from this point is you're going to get more eight hours. Nights. Last night, I think I might have gotten eight hours. Yeah. And I'm still exhausted, but. You know, I burn the candle at both ends for sure. I'm always going. My parents, you know, they, they have normal jobs and they just still are trying to wrap their heads around all this that I do. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? I'm like, you just keep going. Well, I think you just said you have, but you have great balance. I mean, the fact that you can get eight hours sleep, that you exercise, and then the rest of your days are spent being excited about what you do Yeah, and bringing amazing things to the world. I mean, that's the best part. That's the best part. You are making a difference. Thank you. I get to get excited about something and then share it with a tremendous amount of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I treat my job the way you share something with a friend. Like, oh my God, I heard the song. I can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah. That's the attitude with which we put music on this station in general. All the DJs are like that. Like our audience are our friends that we're just like excitedly sharing the new thing we discovered with. That's what? really the attitude of it. I mean, between you and and all these great hosts, and you have such impeccable taste. I mean, I think I just to keep just to keep making about me, but I think about all the pressures of booking a comedy club, especially a corporate comedy club versus an independent, mm -hmm. um, well, but public radio station. How much pressure do you get from above, um, as far as what you share? Like, are, is there anyone saying no? Nope? There really oh, isn't. KCRW is a beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, there's no place like it um actually the only time i'm ever on the air is during the pledge drives because i love this place so much i'm really good at, they have me raising money for it <laughs> i don't i'm not on the air in front of a mic any other time but i actually love to do it because people need to know mm -hmm. this place is special this doesn't exist anywhere else i've worked in radio in a few different cities and the there really is nothing like kcrw it, it is really its own thing and the people who work here all just work so hard. They really care about it. I mean, you have to. You're not here for the money. Mm -hmm. It's public radio. You're here. Everyone who works here is here for the right reasons. And that's what you feel as a listener. You feel that genuine, warm connection 
of human beings. That's why I love radio. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a million ways to listen, watch to things these days, but radio is a special medium to me. It's so intimate. Yeah, and you said connection and community are at the base of everything. But when you feel listening to MBE, I always I still feel weird saying MBE. <laughs> you can but, say it. Um, I give you permission. Uh, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> but when you feel that it's been handpicked for you, you can sense that, and that's that's why people listen, and that's um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I have to give major props to Jason Bentley who hosts the show. Um, Let's give all props now. Shout outs. Shout outs. Um, Jason, Jason is Bell. amazing. And I'm very lucky to work with him. Uh, Jennifer Farrow, again, she's the the chief, the case, KCRW head, in, head chief. And she gave me a shot. She gave me a chance uh, really early on. And without her, I wouldn't be here. And Gary Scott, our program director, is incredible. I mean, to be able to have people you can go to. And we bounce a lot of ideas off each other here. It's just, it's just really an amazing place. So I'm really grateful to everyone who works here. Um, I, I couldn't do my job without them. So. so back to the guest DJ project um, and speaking to this audience who's so many people are comedians and young comedians um, and people in that world. But you said you booked a lot of comedians for the guest DJ project. Talk about some of those, who they, who they are and some of the most surprising or exciting guests you've had. Well, the most interesting thing is everyone expects comedians to be funny all the time, right? They're, they're not. They're deep, deep people. <laughs> and so when I bring someone in for the Guest DJ Project, I don't expect them to be funny. I just expect them to love the five songs that they chose. And I think people really appreciate that, that I'm not putting them on the spot. Like, be that funny person. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Zach Galifianakis came on and it was a very deep, very beautiful set of songs that he chose. And he does. He famously hates doing press. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know this about him, but he was like super excited to do this because he's a, a big fan. Um, I think there's like a lot of um, connections between comedy and music. It's about timing. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely. the same. It's, it's really about timing, about building to a moment, that sort of thing. Um We've had so many incredible people. Sarah Silverman came on very early and about halfway through, she's like, wow, he's depressing. I didn't mean to do that, <laughs> but it's like her choice, you know? So her stories end up being kind of, kind what of were sad. some of the songs? Uh, have you discovered any bands or music? Oh, tons. Oh, tons. Through I, these people. Absolutely. I've discovered so much new music and we've had so many comedians on. And of course I'm like totally blanking. We had Reggie Watts on yeah. uh, many years ago and then we actually brought him back to do a Valentine's day special this year. And it was, I asked him all these questions about, you know, what is love and what is, what's romantic to you? And he had really beautiful answers and incredible love advice and relationship advice. So if you want some of that, I highly suggest you go look up our Valentine's day special with Reggie Watts. But yeah, again, it wasn't like comedy, comedy, comedy. It it was like really heartfelt mm -hmm. um, choices that he made uh, of love songs. And so that that's the sort of thing. But I would say we have more comedians and chefs on than almost anybody. And they're the best. Mm -hmm. They're the best. Sorry to everyone else who's been on the show. But they, they tend to have like the best stories about their songs. I love it. Well, where could people find all your shows on the internet and on the radio and yes. all those places? KCRW.com. Slash guest DJ project slash MBE slash Metropolis. That's a lot right there, but you know that's where you find it. Mm -hmm. And me, I'm always just running around the this basement, pretty much. That's where you find me. Just so anyone can just pop in, ask no. for Rachel. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Rachel R K C R W on Twitter or Instagram. And do you anticipate you're going to be here for the rest of your life? What's next? Do you even want to think about it? You know, I'm not the sort of person who thinks like that. 
until I don't like how I feel or what's going on, I'm very invested in the moment. Maybe that's another piece of advice, but I am very, very invested in where I am. I'm never looking backwards and I try not to look forward. I try to really, really be in the moment and make the most of it. And so I've not even considered thinking about it, let alone thought, thought about it. That's great. You're truly living in the moment. You're very present. Trying. Yeah, I felt it this entire interview. Thank you. Um, well, it's been a sincere pleasure. Thank you. I hope you'll have me back. Thanks for coming down here. Yeah. Um, reminder that, you know, at some point I'm going to be enough of a cultural luminary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To be a guest DJ. Um, you have my email. I do. I'll be in touch. And um, why don't you read this last? This is how I end every show. Okay. With that last line. I love it. Work on your craft endlessly. Be a professional. Be undeniable. And be cool as fuck. Always. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com, at jamieflam on Twitter, at gatekeeperpod on Twitter, and Flammy Davis Jr. on Instagram. This episode was produced by Andrew Steven, and a very special thanks to Buddy Peace for the music at the top and end of this and all episodes.